Well, good morning. I just want to welcome you all here to uh, Country Christian this morning. As uh, I was trying to come up with opening this week, I was, I guess, backtrack a little bit. Earlier this year, I've started as transition more from, I guess, farming and working another job to running a business and trying to transition our property into a little more conducive to that and customers. And um, I had started cleaning up a couple areas. I had a couple out front, especially. There's one spot that I'd kind of unfinish a project and I'd have leftover rock and it'd get dumped there. And it was starting to look a little bit not how I would like. And so I focused on trying to get it cleaned up Got everything cleaned up out of there this week, or I guess a couple months ago, thinking it was looking pretty nice and leveled it out. And thought maybe we we're going to put a pasture there or something. So it had been pretty easy to maintain before, just spray around it. And I was like, well, we'll put a pasture there. So I'll flatten it, and then it was a little dusty, so I watered it. And then I got busy. And um, now it doesn't look quite so nice. And I was, as I was looking at it this week, I was reminded of a verse in Matthew. Some of you probably know which verse that is. 12, 43 through 45. When an evil spirit leaves a person that goes into the desert seeking rest but finding none, then it says, I will return to that person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home empty, swept clean and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. And uh, I'll just remind that because I was looking at it, walked out there, there's tack weeds that are about that high and pigweed and a whole bunch of others, and before it was just some rock. And just reminded that if stuff is left to its own devices. Evil, bad things creep in if we aren't intentional and follow through with what um, we're supposed to do. Just that, I don't know, just the realization of that applies in our lives. You know, when we have bad habits, what we do with our time, you know, if there's something we don't like, if we just take it out, chances are we're going to be right back there and usually in worse. And like I said, especially in the time, time category, what we do with our time, that just being intentional, being purposeful, um, making sure if we aren't focused on good, doing good, following God with our time, with our resources, that... Um, Things just don't always go how they're supposed to. Um, I wanted to read Psalms 34, 12 through 14. Does anyone want to live a life that is long and prosperous? Then keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Just that 
I want to encourage everybody, no matter where you're at, what you're working on, to just to be intentional with your time, with your purposes, and uh, being purposeful. So with that, um, I want to invite everyone to stand up, and I'll pray and invite the worship team up. Lord, I just want to thank you for today. I want to thank you for the opportunity we have to come and worship you. Pray that you would uh, bless our time. Pray that you'd be honored and glorified. Amen. For he's good, he is
separate seas so his children could walk through. The name that delivered his people out of bondage over after 400 plus years. It's the same name that we can call on today. in our time of need, in our time of want, in our time of having it all together, just to tell him thank you. It's the same name. He's unchanging. God, thank you. You're the same today, yesterday, forever, in the future. You're reliable. The name above every name. What's he mean to you? God, thank you for being here today for accepting our small portion of praise. God, thank you for who you are. God, I pray that you would bless the rest of this service, that your name would be lifted high, that you would be glorified in our lives, and that we could show your name to those around us. And I say show on purpose, that it's not just words, but it would be through deeds, that they would see you in us, they would see the name of Jesus in our life and how we act, how we interact. 
the name of Jesus. He's above every name. God, thank you for who you are. And all God's people said, Amen. Good morning. It's good to be here again this morning. The seat vibrators this morning are not so that you can fall asleep. Uh, they're working on the road across the uh, driveway across the road, but you can feel it in your seat. So we have built-in seat vibrators this morning. <clears throat> but to start, we're going to read Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to have you stand up while we read Genesis chapter 2, verses 15 through 25. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 2, starting with verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely Die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord formed the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. Before Adam there was not a found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and we're not ashamed. You can sit down. <clears throat> so as we go through Genesis, we're learning about the creation. We're learning about God's order. We're learning about the way that God set things up. He set things up orderly for a reason. It wasn't just by accident. It wasn't just coincidence. It wasn't just because that's the way it happened. It's because God did it very specifically in the order that he wanted it to be in. So last week we talked about the garden that he had made that was perfect. It sounds like heaven on earth is what it sounded like. The garden was perfect at everything that was needed to sustain life. And then he had created man and he took man, he took Adam and he placed him in the garden to take care of it, to tend it. I mean, I, the weeds, maybe there wasn't weeds. Everything was supposed to be in its own place, but it still needed taken care of, and Adam was the caretaker of this beautiful garden that God had created. What, you just imagine what that might have been like. You know, I don't know if you ever, you know, read different things, and you, if, if, you, if you enjoy reading, like I kind of enjoy reading, and when you read, your imagination goes with you, and you can think, and you Try to picture what is being said when you're reading, whether it's scripture or whether it's a book or a novel or whatever it might be, but you can, your imagination can go, and God gave us an imagination that's incredible, and sometimes it can get us in trouble, uh, and we have to be careful with that, but you can imagine a little bit what it might have been like with what God had created. We don't understand 
how he can just speak and things are because we can't do that. But God can. So God had created the garden, had everything prepared, and then he placed man in the garden to take care of it. And he told Adam, he said, everything in this garden you can eat. There was plenty of food. There was no shortage. There's no food shortage in the Garden of Eden. But God said, except for this one tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is the only tree that you're not allowed to eat from. Everything else, there was no lack of food. You can eat as much as you want. You're not going to run out. You don't need this particular tree to eat from to survive. There's enough without it. Everywhere, everything in the garden you can eat except for this one tree. It says, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Now, next week, we're going to get into chapter 3, which is going to talk about what happened when they ate from the tree. But this is the, this is the uh, um, instructions that God gave. Here's the garden I created for you. you. I'm going to put you in it, Adam. You take care of it. Everything is yours to do with as you want except for that tree. Don't touch it. Don't eat it. He says, don't eat it. There are things in our lives that we come across that we know we probably shouldn't do. We know the scripture probably talks against it, yet we really would like to do it anyways because we still live in the flesh. We live in a world that is broken by sin, which is what we're learning about right here and where it happened was in the beginning when God created everything. And it wasn't very long after that. Next week, we're going to get into that. What happens when we make the wrong decision and sin is allowed to enter into our lives again? What this was going to do, <clears throat> was, was it really going to cause him to die if he ate this fruit? It didn't really matter because those were the instructions that God gave him. And so sometimes when we want to do something that we know we probably shouldn't do, and maybe we try to justify it a little bit because it probably really isn't going to be as bad as what it sounds like, it really doesn't make any difference because if we shouldn't do it, we shouldn't do it. And it doesn't matter whether the consequences are just a little bit or they're a lot. It shouldn't really matter at all. Because even the instructions that God gave us through his word are true and are right and we believe them, then why would we want to push that at all? We don't want to play with or, um, I can't think of the word. We don't want to just see how close we can get to what might be wrong. We don't want to experiment, is the word that I'm looking for, with what might or might not be wrong. We, can, we have the scripture. We can read the scripture. We know what might be wrong. Adam is placed in the garden, and he knew what was right and what was wrong. The only thing he couldn't do, one thing that he couldn't do, one, one thing can't eat of that tree. That's it. Those were the instructions. Take care of the garden. Don't eat of that tree. If they eat of this tree, it would shatter the harmonious relationship that existed between Adam and his environment. That's what it would do. We're going to see in the next couple of weeks that that's actually what exactly what it did. So God puts him there, and then God, it says that God out of the ground, first it says it's not good that man should be alone. 
which I would agree with that. I think that's a wise statement. And he's going to make Adam a helper, a helpmeet, someone that's comparable to him. And then God goes on to say that he took out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and he brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. There's one verse I wanted to read before I move on that I forgot. We're talking about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and if you eat it on that day you eat it, you should surely die. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The wages of sin is death. If you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will surely die. The wages of sin is death. But incredibly enough, our Lord and Savior set up, our God set up a way to be redeemed from that death, from the wages of sin, which is representing the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now we're moving on to out of the ground of the Lord formed every beast. So God could have, you know, God used, God spoke and things were created, but when God formed the animals, the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, he did not breathe his life into them. They were not formed in his image. You and I are formed in the image of God. You and I have the breath of life breathed into us by God himself. And so he put all these animals and then he brought Adam and said, I want you to name them all. Now again, if you're reading a book and your imagination goes with you a little bit, just picture with me if you could what it might have been possibly been like naming all these animals. Incredible. Where does he come up with some of these names? Do you ever think about these things that happen? God is telling us what happened here. He named all these animals. And so God brings all these animals to him, and whatever Adam called them, that's what they were. And that's what they have been since. How fun would that have been? But at the same time that Adam is naming all of these animals, I can't help but think that he's noticing that every animal, there's probably a couple of each animal. You know, like maybe a male and a female of each animal. And I I can only imagine that Adam is maybe can't help but think that all of the animals have one that is like them. But he didn't have one that was like him. Not an animal, because Adam has the breath of life that God breathed into him. Adam is formed in the image of God. These animals are not formed in the image of God. But Adam, I, you just, if you let your imagination go a little bit, you are thinking that Adam is probably noticing that there's, it's not quite the same. This doesn't hardly seem fair. I don't know what Adam was thinking. I'm putting words into his mouth. That's what I would have probably been thinking But all of these animals, and they all have one just like them. And then Adam is still alone. But God had just said previously that it's not good that man should be alone. So Adam names all of the animals, all the birds, all the beasts of the field, everything. And when he gets done, it says, But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. So God had recognized that this wasn't good. He recognized that Adam was alone and he was going to do something about that. 
I guess I got ahead of myself on my notes a little bit. So God causes Adam to sleep. God could have just formed a woman from the dust like he did man, but he didn't. It says, and the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. Now, it's interesting just the way that God works. It really is, because there's all kinds of things that... the reason behind why God would have took, taken a rib. You've heard a, if you're looking for a pickup line and meeting a young lady, you could always say, hey, excuse me, I think you have something of mine. I don't recommend it because I don't know if it would work. Shamgar, if you want to use that, you can. But you know, why, why did he take a rib? Why a rib? Well, probably, I don't, I have no idea. I'm totally speculating, but probably could do without one of those if you had to, but there's other body parts that you couldn't do without. You couldn't take a head because that wouldn't really make much sense. But the thing is, he took a rib, and part of the thing, part of the thinking behind taking a rib is that he created woman out of man and took a rib that was right by his side because he's creating somebody comparable to Adam to walk beside him to live life with him, to be a part, to live together, to operate together. He, could, he didn't take it higher. He didn't take it lower. It wasn't meant that man was, or woman was supposed to rule over man, and it also wasn't meant the other way around, that man was supposed to lord over women. It was made that they were going to be companions together. Ezra is about ready to step into that relationship. And it's exciting, it's great, it's wonderful. It's something that God created. And let's not start to think that it's just something that, uh, that we do today. What did I write down? This is where God set up the Institute of Marriage. Marriage is not just a human social construct, but it is rooted in the created order. It was set up in the very beginning. We've been talking about a lot of things that are set up in the beginning. God created man in his image. Male and female created he them. And now we're talking about the institute of marriage that God is setting up, that is putting in place. He's establishing. It's not just something that we do because it's the good thing to do. It's because it's the right thing. It's the way that it was created and meant to be. So why do you think when the enemy is attacking different things, he's going after these basic fundamental things that God created? It's no accident. It's not just random that the enemy is attacking these areas. He's doing it for a reason. It's because this is the order that God created things to be set up in, and the enemy doesn't like it. He caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep, and he took a rib from his side, and he created woman. I have one other verse that I'm going to read, and I have been debating on reading this one or not, because I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to step into a whole other issue. But it kept coming up. When I'm reading through Genesis 2, the end of that chapter, it kept coming up about two or three times. It was referenced to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
But don't panic. Because at the beginning of it, it says head coverings, and that's not what I'm talking about. But I do like what it says in here. And it says, I'm going to read verses 8 through 12. And it says this. For man is not from woman, but woman from man. Nor was man created for the woman, but woman for the man. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, neither is man independent of woman, nor woman independent of man in the Lord. For as woman came from man, even so man also comes through woman. But still, or excuse me, but all things are from God. This is a, this is a subject that has, is... It, it splits people. It divides people because they don't want to acknowledge that, that end little part, but all things come from God. And we focus on other issues. We focus on, it talks about a head covering, and that's a whole different subject that we're not going into, but it talks about um, the woman coming from man, being created from man, the woman being created for man and not the other way around. It's, this, is, this is God who all things are from God. This is God who is creating the world, the universe. He's setting up an order. He's establishing order. And you know, we can, we can fight that order. And we can fight against it and say, well, I don't think it should be that way. And I think it should be different. He took a rib from Adam's side. Because he meant for them to be companions. He meant for them to be, he's looking for someone comparable to Adam. If he wanted somebody to serve Adam, he could have gave him an animal to serve him. But he didn't. He created a companion for Adam. This is where all of marriage is set up. Right here in chapter 2 of Genesis. It's right there. Marriage is designed as an inseparable, exclusive relationship between a man and a woman. The family unit it creates is the basic building block of human society. Now, let me read that one more time. Marriage is designed, designed by God right here in Genesis chapter 2 as an inseparable, exclusive relationship between a man and a woman. Now, if you stop right there, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble with some of the things that people believe today, just with that statement right there. Because how often do we really truly believe that marriage is designed as an inseparable, exclusive relationship? Do we treat it that way? Do we treat it that way? And then you go on to say, between a man and a woman, well, of course, that makes sense. Today, there's a lot of people that are trying to make that not make sense. It still doesn't make any sense to me. But what it really boils down to is they don't want to believe that all things are from God. And so you can fight against it. You can fight against the order that God set up. But the problem is you're not fighting against me. You're not fighting against anybody here. You're fighting against God. And you can fight against God all you want. 
but it's not going to work. You're not going to win. You might think you're going to win. You might be able to make people look bad. You might be able to get people to follow what you believe. You might be able to get people to join your little group of what you think and how you think. But ultimately, when you're fighting against God, you're fighting a battle that has already been won. And there's nothing to win. He's already won. So if we're going to go down that road and we're going to try to fight against the order that God set up, you're going to have a long, difficult road ahead of you. Because this is the way he set it up. I didn't set it up. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 2. And Adam, after he sees Eve, Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And this is a verse that is used at weddings quite often. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. You're establishing... Um, where did I write it down? There's a shift of loyalty is what's happening. We're starting, we're starting a new... Caleb and Felicity are closer than Ezra. I forgot about that. Can't figure out why I would have forgot that. We're establishing a new family. We're establishing a new basic building block that God created clear back in Genesis. Why do we want to fight against that so hard? We are being reminded again of God's created order. It's not just convenient or the popular thing to do. It was and still is God's intended plan. How many times do we find ourselves fighting against something that we know is right, but it might make us uncomfortable, it might take us some out and do something that we don't like or we don't, we're not comfortable doing, but yet we know it's the right thing to do? How many times do we fight these situations because we just don't want to do it? I just don't want to. But when God is asking to, God wants to work through us. He wants that relationship with us. That's why he's setting things up this way because he's going, he wants this relationship with Adam and with Eve. And we're going to get into that in the next couple of weeks. The relationship that he had with them before the fall. He still wants that relationship today. It looks different because of sin. But his desire is still to have that relationship with you and I. It hasn't changed. His desire hasn't changed. What changed? The change was ours. The change was the choice that we made when God gave us the one instruction is don't eat the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. What in your life today is that tree of knowledge and good and evil that you might be facing that you don't know what to do with or maybe better said you do know exactly what to do with it but you don't want to. What is the tree of knowledge and good and evil in your life today that you're facing because we all face something different. Sometimes we face similar things and we can encourage one another. But there's three things that I have said from that I, my goal and purpose for the church here that we have said as leadership is we want people to feel loved when they come here. We want people to be encouraged when they come here and we want people to be convicted or challenged when you come here. 
And if we can continue to accomplish those three things, then I feel like we're doing what God has called us to do here. And we go through some of these books and we read some of these passages and sometimes they're controversial and sometimes they step on people's toes and sometimes it makes us uncomfortable. But we're just reading scripture. You have might have an opinion and I have an opinion and I'm standing up here and I try not to share my opinion. I try to stay with what I... believe is true and right. If you have a different opinion, come and ask me. Come and share it with me. But I want to stay away from sharing my opinion up here. Yes, I have an opinion. But the truth is based on the word of God. It's not based on my opinion. And God set up this order, and I see this as being truth the order that God set up, the relationship between a, man, a husband and a wife and the husband, the man, is, should leave his, they should leave their family. What does it say? Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. This is the way God set it up. This is the way God intended for it to be. It wasn't an accident or a mistake or a coincidence. This is exactly what God had in mind. You know what else the marriage relationship does? Is it represents Jesus' relationship with us, his church. The parallel there is incredible. Also, God's relationship with Israel in the Old Testament, that's what the parallel is. And today, it's us. It's us, our relationship with Christ. We are, the church is considered the bride of Christ. The parallels are amazing. And so why do we want to go into a world and we want, we don't keep our marriages strong and healthy? What kind of a message does that send to everybody else in the world? But what it was set up for paralleled what God is doing for us in coming back for us someday. What kind of message are we sending out <clears throat> family unit that marriage creates is the basic building block of human society. Has anybody ever played Jenga? You know what Jenga is? You stack all these blocks up and then you start pulling them out and you start taking ones out so you don't knock over the tower because you got to leave a good foundation so it'll stay. You know what the Satan does? He wants to come and pull that first block right out of the middle so that that tower will fall over immediately and nothing will ever last. You don't pull out the main building block when you're trying to play this game to keep this standing as long as you can. But Satan, that's exactly what he's doing is he's messing with the main building blocks that God established. And are we willing to stand up and fight for them so he can't remove them? If those building blocks get removed, everything falls. Take away those building blocks, everything falls. They're worth fighting for. The last verse says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And as kids, you read this and you're like, (laughs) they're both naked, that's funny. You ever watch about a one or two year old? They're running around out in their yard and there's cars going, they they don't have any clothes on and they don't care at all. And parents were like, oh my goodness. See what your kid did? Yeah, I saw, I heard. But they're not embarrassed. 
They're not ashamed. Why? Why not? Innocence. Before sin entered the world, that's exactly what it was. It was innocence. Both of them were naked and they weren't ashamed. Today, in the right context, that's okay. Oh my goodness, this is embarrassing for young people. But God set it up. He created it. Guys that are about ready to get married, marriage is great, but marriage is also work. You have to decide. You have to make a choice every day. You're going to love your spouse. But what we get to represent is incredible. You ever think about what your relationship with your spouse represents? You ever, the things I was talking about, God's relationship with us, the church, you ever think about what it represents? I've shared before, but when the couple gets married and then you turn to introduce them, you turn them and face them to the world. The whole world won't be here at weddings, don't worry. But you turn and face them, and this is the example that we're setting forward. What an incredible responsibility. And yet, today in our society, we take it so lightly. Absolutely incredible what we get to represent. The basic building blocks that God set up are under major attack today. And the question that I want to leave you with, Jordan and Katie are going to come up and sing a song. The question that I'm going to leave you with is, are we willing to defend them? Are we willing, willing to stand up for what's right to stand up for what God put in order, that God set up. We don't always necessarily agree on everything here. All of us won't always. But these things that God created, are we willing to stand up for what we believe, to stand up for what is right, to try to keep those building blocks in place? Because that is what gives us life. Father, I thank you so much for your love this morning. I just pray that as we go about our week, you give us opportunities to share your love with people. I pray that you would help us to focus on making our, our marriages stronger and better so that when people see us, when people see our relationship with one another, that it points people to you. That's difficult. That can be hard. But Lord, I know that's what you're heart was and that's what your original design was and I pray that you would help us to continue to seek after that. We love you this morning. Thank you for blessing us and for guiding